Welcome to the Equestrian Business Podcast, the show that talks about business for equestrians. If you're an equestrian business owner who wants more revenue, more profit, and a better work-life balance in your business, and you're looking for dry, humoured, no-nonsense business advice, you're in the right place. Whether you're just getting started or whether you've been in the equestrian game for decades, I'm going to give you the tools, the strategies, systems, techniques, and a splash of philosophy on what you can do to have more fun, a better work-life balance, and more money in your equestrian business. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Equestrian Business Podcast. Today I am joined by one of my friends and someone that I really look up to, someone that I just pulled into my friendship circle. It's the wonderful Fran Dixon. Would you like to introduce yourself, tell us a little bit about who you are and all the things that you get up to? Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm so sorry, one of my cats has just wandered in screaming its head off, so you're probably going to hear that in the background. <laughs> um, yes, I'm Fran. We we met on Instagram, didn't we, really? <laughs> um, and discovered that we actually live fairly locally to each other. Uh, and yeah, the rest is history, I guess. Um, so who am I and what do I do? Oh my God, I do all the things. <laughs> I hate it when people ask me this question because I don't have a generic answer. Um officially I always kind of introduce myself I guess as like a horse trainer because that was where my business entrepreneurial freelance self-employed whatever you want to call it journey started with um and I've just kind of grown in everything from there um so yeah I do lots of things but that is how I would describe myself first and foremost I guess horse trainer at heart horse girl at heart and yeah, you do all kinds of things, don't you? So you have done some modeling, you are an equine psychologist and trainer, like you were saying, you are a riding instructor in loosest of terms, <laughs> um, you do so, so many things as well as working for other businesses and just a general all-rounder, I'd say. Yeah, so I mean, you know, a lot of, there's a lot of like talk and noise that goes on around like business and like in the equestrian industry as well of niching. And I hate that word, like, you know, trying to fit into one box um, and do one thing. And I know we've talked about this like previously, you know, I completely understand like being good at and making one thing successful um, and, you know, pouring your energy into that to make it something bigger and better. But I also feel like if I kind of, tried to do just one thing or didn't like sing to all my other sort of talents as well without being big-headed about it like I feel like I would be doing myself a great disservice you know trying to fit myself into one box and that I would be limiting myself you know to not reach my full potential if I didn't do all sorts of different things um but I know that today we said that we were going to talk mainly about money so linking this back the reason why I do so many things is because when I first went self-employed or started doing kind of all the things I'm doing now, it was to make more money. <laughs> and what I have, you know, discovered and the aspect that I love about being freelance and being able to dictate my own time schedule and where I make money from is that you can literally make money from anywhere. <laughs> you can do anything and everything and monetize it. And that is something that I want other people to know as well. 
I think that's, yeah, that's, that's such an interesting point because it's something that we were talking about earlier, wasn't it? Like loads of people say all the time that there is no money in the equestrian industry. There's no money in horses. You need to get out of the industry and do something else because it's just a it's hobby. Just a hobby. <laughs> get your head out of the clouds. You're never going to earn any money doing this. And it comes from bitter people who were only bitter because they had childhood dreams of working in the horse industry and working with horses all day. And then some sour adult told them, oh, no, get a real job. That's not a real job. There's no money in it. And then they've passed on this belief and then they've passed on this belief to their children and they pass on this belief to everyone around them. And when it actually boils down to it, it's just not true. I believed this until, until about, I think it was like 2016, 2017. And I was like, hang on a minute. Maybe the problem isn't the industry. Maybe it's the business skills. Maybe it's how we're presenting things. Like we can't force anybody to buy from us, but we are fully in control of how we how we present ourselves, how we show up and like value our offers and how we add the value to our offers and how we present them and how we do business and how we manage our cash flow. And there is money in the industry. Sounds like there's millions and billions of pounds in the industry, even in the UK alone. I think it was like worth like three, four billion. Oh yeah, the industry itself is such an affluent sector, and you know there are so there is so much money floating around in the industry. But there's a few points I want to pick up on from what you've said there. So from from me, from like as a psychologist, from a psychology point of view, you're completely right. You know, it's this attitude of there's no money in horses. All it is is a limiting belief. That's what it's known as. The term is it's a limiting belief. So it's handed down from other people or people that they're maybe not even necessarily bitter I think that was the word you used about it they might be or they are ignorant they don't know they don't they 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 haven't opened their minds to the other possibilities you know maybe they've had one idea and it's failed or maybe they've done one thing and it's not been successful and then that becomes this whole encompassing oh well it must just be everything kind of attitude um so I definitely completely agree with you in that respect. It is like a belief that gets handed down through the generations, from person to person. And, you know, like you've talked about before, horses are expensive luxury pets. Like, <laughs> you know, it's not like just having a hamster. But we find the money for our horses. We do. We find the money for our horses. And to say that there's no money in horses, simply it cannot be true. There has to be because we all manage to afford them don't get me wrong like some people to a lesser extent than others or you know there are horses that you know don't have the money spent on them and maybe end up neglected but I would argue that that is more because of circumstances rather than a lack of maybe it's a lack of like knowledge rather than a lack of finances does that make sense so some people will prioritize specific things for their horse Others maybe don't prioritise them, but maybe should do. Maybe they just don't know that they should prioritise those things financially, I mean, from a financial perspective. So, for example, like my horse is barefoot. Yes, I'm a big believer in barefoot, but it's a sensible financial decision as well. Because, you know, I if I don't want to have to pay for shoes, I don't want to. Whereas, you know, some people would value... I don't know the bits of equipment they're using because this bit or this martingale or this bit of whatever is going to fix my problem. So I'm prioritizing spending my money on something like that. So, yeah, I think there's so much to this if we can just get past this limiting belief. And I think definitely, like you were saying, there's 
there's different segments of of the equestrian industry there's people who want to do things as cheap as possible and there's which people who yeah which is absolutely fine like there's a whole industry out there of people who want the cheapest option who want the most value for their money and that is absolutely fine there's a whole market there there's brands like what discount equestrian who have built their whole brand on having a cheaper deal so they will go out and they will buy stock in bulk so that they can sell it they can sell like sweat rugs and things for like 10 15 pounds because they're buying it in bulk and they're targeting an audience who are quite conscious about the amount of money they're spending and then we have brands who target people who want to spend a lot of money like oh even God, yeah, it's like 300 pounds for a pair of breeches jesus <laughs> exactly and there's always somebody out there who is willing to buy something and it goes yeah. back to this age-old saying it's actually it's actually from the old testament in the bible Bible, and it's not often you'll hear me quote the Bible. But... <laughs> I've never heard you quote the Bible. <laughs> and it probably will be the last. But the quote from the Bible says, everything is worth what its purchaser will pay for it. And I'm going to have to dig up and put it in the show notes about who actually said this, because I can't remember. I like that. That's an interesting but quote. It yeah. is. It's definitely true. Because when we look at the industry as a whole, like I'm sure you will feel the same way as well. Some people like different types of horses. There's horses being sold out there for seven, eight, nine thousand pounds and I think I wouldn't have that horse if you gave me eight thousand pounds and that's absolutely fine because everybody has a different taste and everybody has a different liking for things so whatever you want to offer in business as long as you have researched your audience put yourself and found a solution to the problem that they have or you're giving them the desire that they want you're going to make money in business and I think you've hit the nail on the head there like there's different every single individual is different like I've worked at equestrian events up and down the country I have seen some money floating around Jesus Christ like you know you go to some of these events and you're talking about like seven eight nine grand horses some of these horses are like 90 grand horses it's just insane it blows my mind and then there's someone like me who you know like I bought my ex-racer from an auction for 750 quid well technically it was my dad's money at the time <laughs> well I was 16 but like it, it, and this is going back to like your maybe circumstances your mindset like what the amount of money that you personally can comprehend so like I personally know exactly how much money I would and wouldn't spend on a horse and I know what kind of horse that would be a lot of people would feel totally differently. You know, maybe they would justify a load of money on a horse, but it's this thing as well, isn't it? Of like knowing, let's just talk about like the purchase price of horses because that's just skyrocketed in recent years with COVID and everything else. Yeah, like I'm but, looking at my next horse because obviously um, for any listeners who don't know, like my horse was recently diagnosed with navicular. I am awesome. currently looking at in the next five years once you know, we've done all of the rehabilitation we can for Panda, I will be looking to import a horse that is the cost of a reasonable house deposit from Holland as my next horse. I have produced horses from scratch and I'm not doing it again. I want a horse that is already at the level that I want to compete yeah. at because I don't have another six years to waste. So I'm willing, I'm, the total to make that, that. I'm willing to make that financial investment to get yeah. the horse that I want that is ready to go out and do everything. And a lot of people would might judge me for that. And do you know what? I'm not bothered. I know that I can produce a horse to that level because I've done it once. I've done it twice. I've done it three times, but I'm not willing to do it again. So I'm willing to pay the money 
to bypass that and I want it done properly I don't want a horse that's been jumped and trashed into the ground before it was five years old I want a horse that's been produced slowly and properly and I'm willing to pay through the roof for that and this is exactly what you're talking about there is a market for everything exactly I want to pick apart some other bits of that as well so like I you know I'm the total opposite to that like I would quite happily go and buy another ex-racer off the track and I'm telling you now I would never spend more than very maximum of two and a half grand on a horse like when I say that I would honestly be I'd rather spend less than a grand but I would also be completely aware and prepared to deal with the consequences of such a cheap horse you know maybe it will have behavioral issues maybe it will have physical issues maybe it will have you know whatever I don't mind that project and I would take responsibility for that for the price that I'm paying the other aspect of what you said is, you know, some people might judge me for wanting to have this ready-made horse. There's this, this is something that I want to pick about, and I think we should delve into more. Like, why do we seem to judge people negatively for one having money and being rich, and two wanting to spend that money in a way that suits them, but maybe seems extravagant to you as an individual? Because for me. That is an opportunity for self-reflection because you're never going to be rich if you think rich people are bad, you know? Like if you're feeling like, oh, some people might judge me for wanting to spend my money and buy this, you know, expensive horse and whatever I want it ready-made. Some people may view that from a place of like, oh, you know, she's not willing to put in the hard work. She's got enough money. You know, life must be so easy for her. You've got a silver spoon stuck up your butt. That's not the case that is something about their attitude and the way that they're thinking which is essentially going back to being a limiting belief would you agree with that absolutely and I think all of these negative connotations that we have about money come from a bad place because I know for a fact that when I didn't have money perhaps a little bit of a jealousy or envy aspect tied in here but I know that when I didn't have money and I saw people splurging big amounts of cash like I maybe wouldn't say anything but I'd be like oh what a show off oh what a brag oh, I bet their life's so easy. And I may be in a much better financial position now, but four years ago when I could barely afford to feed my horses and I was struggling to put food on the table for my child, it was a completely different story. And it's not that I've, you know, wandering around with my daddy's credit card. It's I've worked really, really hard for the money that I have. And yeah, if I want to choose to spend it on a fancy imported horse from Holland, I absolutely will. And bitterness and people thinking that I'm spoiled or people thinking that I'm just showing off that's cool but there's judgment both ways though isn't there because a lot of people will buy a cheap horse they might outhorse themselves because they might not necessarily have the experience but I don't think even if you don't have the experience there is nothing wrong with learning through the process having someone to help you out every step of the way and then learning because the first time someone produces a horse you've never done it before and you are on that learning curve but there is judgment either way and I know lots of people who've bought young horses and outhorse themselves and lose all their confidence in the process doing it and it's not about judging it's about empowering these people and honestly we just need to think about the horses at the end of it because they're the ones caught up in the middle of all this people judgy drama yeah and this is the big thing for me and part of the reason that I kind of do what I do now and want to help horses and want to educate people and you know specifically in the psychology side of things because I have learned everything I've learned through not having easy horses through seeing every shape size breed age horse you can possibly imagine you know yes I had an x-ray so I didn't know if I could you know 
to like <laughs> ride her. I didn't know at the time, but I was confident in my abilities as a equestrian. So I took that risk and it turned out okay. <laughs> you know, when I first got nutmeg, I did I knew I had experience of babies, foals, young horses, but I'd never back to horse myself like I'd been exper I'd experienced the process as it were through like vicariously through other people but I didn't know if I could do that myself but again I knew I could ride out a book I knew I could deal with you know turbulence like, I I knew my abilities as a rider so I took that risk and it was it thankfully worked out fine but I think if you don't have that self-awareness or you're not willing to admit that self-awareness like you said you know you'd rather not back and break a young horse now like you'd rather just get one that's kind of to have a yeah, bit of like run like, me through the damn mill. Like I've had the horse yeah. at three years old. She'd only been sat on twice when I got her. I have produced a horse up to a decent level of dressage. I and I know how long that took me. That took me eight years, nine years to get yeah. out competing at a really, really decent level. I don't have nine years now. I'm busy. I have a business. <laughs> I have children. I do want something that is happily at that level that I can go out, enjoy on a weekend. And yeah, I do want to happy hack a nice horse. And I do want to go out competing at a silly level and do all the things I want to do. But I don't have nine years to get there. So I'm and more I think it's also, it's about knowing your like goals and your end goals. Like, what do you want from this horse? Because if you have expectations, it's, it's that standard saying of horses for courses. If you want a horse for a specific reason to do a specific thing to get to a specific level you need to understand the investment that that's going to take, whether that's buying a maybe not quite 100% suited horse and then investing in lessons or training or whatever else, or it's buying a horse that is capable that can help bring you up to that level. You know, again, it's about having that level of awareness too and understanding the investment you're going to make. I think we've got a cat joining us. Got a cat. This is this is John. <laughs> so we won't actually be able to see this because obviously we don't do video <laughs> podcasts because... I don't have the energy to get ready for them, but yeah, there is there is a cat on Fran's desk. <laughs> They've been quite quiet so far. I'm quite proud of them, actually. They've not trashed the joint yet. <laughs> but I think that is, again, it all comes back down to knowing your audience, what your target audience wants and what they need. And it's learning how to generate money. Rather than saying there is no money, stop and analyze what you're doing. Are you trying to appeal to everybody? Is that why there is no money for you? Because you've tried to appeal to everybody. You've made it so bland that you now appeal to nobody because nobody likes a people pleaser. And you've taken all of the personality out of it. You've taken all of the personal branding out of it. You've taken all of the differentiation out of it that separates you from everybody else. And no, you probably won't make money. And I said this on my podcast with Ash and Josh, if you are thinking now is the time to start an equestrian clothing brand because you've seen everybody else doing it and everyone else is making money, you're doing it for the wrong reason. If you're doing it just because you've seen an opportunity, you think, oh, there's some money in there, you are going to be one of those people who moves away and realizes that they can't make any money out of it and goes, oh, it didn't work. There's no money in the equestrian industry. And, and that's it's just not true. In clothing, especially as well, it's, it's such a saturated market. And like, I don't, that could be a personal limiting belief. I don't know, but like it's very difficult to stand out in that sector like yes equestrians are always going to need more clothes because they get trash they you know if you want to be stylish they go out of fashion whatever bloody blah, blah but it is very it's a very it always has been a very saturated industry anyway people have their favorite brands and they kind of tend to stick with them and whatever but especially like it's always going to be different for a startup anyway 
but it takes something to really stand out from the crowd in that market. And this is where like your branding and your investment in that side of things will make the difference or not, I guess. Yeah, definitely. And I think another thing that I would like to really stress while we're sort of talking about money and all things financy and businessy is like the power of investing. So a lot of people will see yeah. an investment price and be a little bit about it. And, I and investing to... has so many levels. It has so, so many, many levels. levels. And I just want to explain the difference. Like it's not an expense, an investment's not an expense done correctly you see a return on an investment and you will see some money come back to you if you're just spending money for the sake of it then yes it's a cost yes it's an expense and you're probably not going to see it again but that is the main difference an investment usually has some kind of return for you and I always say that marketing is an investment when done correctly it's going to bring you money back it's not a marketing expense it's a marketing investment and there is so many levels to investment isn't there it depends on like your business as well and what your business actually is. So for example, I am a service-based business. I'm a service provider and the investment for me is investment in myself. Like I've invested in other trainings to get other qualifications that then set me apart. Like you said, in the beginning, we're using the sort of horse trainer term loosely because I, you know, qualified as an NLP practitioner. I did a specific equine, I'm a qualified certified equine psychologist because I invested in those qualifications and that education and that is something that sets me apart from just i'm doing this with like um <laughs> italic fingers is that what they're called i've forgotten quotation marks fingers being just a riding instructor and that's not to demean riding instructors in any way whatsoever but this is what i market myself as as a, like a unique selling point you know it's a it's a psychology based training that i provide i'm not just gonna be here and teach you like you know, how to, I, I couldn't teach you how to ride to the highest level of dressage. I could probably get you doing some nice flat work or popping over a jump or whatever, but I wouldn't pretend to be that kind of instructor. The reason I do it is for horse welfare. It is to try and get horse and riders to understand each other better so they have a harmonious and healthy relationship. That is what I provide and want to facilitate. That's my own values and beliefs brought into it. But the investment for me was in my education towards that to set me apart and you know stand out I guess like seeing the wood from the trees <laughs> um, absolutely and I think once you've invested in yourself as well that's when you can go down the route of specialism that's when you can start to charge more and yeah, definitely. that's when you start seeing the return on your investment investing in something especially investing in yourself it sees a return that's why I've spent so much money on the qualifications that I have so that I can be a specialist so that I can charge more because when you think about it if you break your wrist do you want to see a general practitioner or do you want to see um and what are they called an osteopath what the word then an osteopath who specializes in carpals and metacarpals of course you do and I think as well like a lot of people will say, oh, you know, qualifications are just a piece of paper. Well, maybe so, but you've made a commitment to get that piece of paper. You've taken an extra step towards understanding something in much more depth than your average person. So when I, the reason that kind of I ended up starting off as like a horse trainer and sort of riding instructor was because people on my yard would come and ask me questions because I had a degree in so my degree is in equine sports performance. So that's basically how to make like an elite horse sport, like sport, t- sporting team, I guess, an elite horse and rider combination. And 
I really enjoyed my degree because it gave me, I didn't necessarily want to have any intention of pursuing a career at the end of it, but as a horse owner, it was extremely valuable. And again, I'm not saying this in in a big headed way, but I kind of almost sometimes forget that the average horse owner doesn't know necessarily all of these things. But that was an investment in myself. So people came, people saw me as having more knowledge than them in what they were, what they had questions about. And they'd come and ask me about it. And that was where I started sort of thinking, oh, like, I wonder if people would pay me for this. <laughs> so that was literally how I started doing all of this. But like you said, it's it gives you an advantage over the average person. But like... I'm not saying that everybody has to go and get an equestrian degree. Like you, you can learn from people who have been there and done that. That handing down of knowledge, and like I value education, you know, personally anyway. That handing down of knowledge is something that is attainable via other people. You know, you can invest in yourself through learning. It doesn't have to be in the capacity of a degree. <laughs> And it's it's doing something for you. So, and I think like you've gone down the route of doing what you do, and like we say about losing the term riding instructor and horse trainer loosely, because you're doing it in a way that feels natural and right for you. Yeah. Which also makes business a lot easier. It makes you stand out a lot better. It makes you stand out a lot easier because you're doing business in a way that is right for you. If you're enjoying this episode of me and Fran talking business, then stay tuned and join us again next week for part two. And as always, you have been delightful for tuning in.